Our message today is entitled, The Vine and the Branches Already Clean. This is the Lord's word. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his holy word. Good morning, everyone. One more time. Good morning. It's good to see all of you here today as we worship our God. Um, just reading these words one more time, John 15, and hearing the voice of our Savior about his love for his people hearing how he has unfolded his design and told us what he's going to do in and of itself is an encouragement to know that our Lord loves us but does not leave us in the dark, but loves us and has made everything apparent, has given us what we need to know who he is, to know what, who we are, and as the scripture says, that he may have joy and that we may have joy to the fullest. 
This is your God. He isn't a God who just throws out commandments for you to follow. He isn't a God who sort of wants religious obedience to him. He calls you friends. He wants your joy to be full. So here we are this morning. And I hope your heart aches like mine. I'm tired of happiness. I'm tired of running after things. Just give me joy. Joy that you can give. Give me that desire when I open up the scriptures. And I, when I'm in that shower and, I, and, and, my, and I have nothing else to think about, help me to think about you and your grace and your love. And if you're so disposed to do so, sing in the shower. I don't sing, but you guys might sing. And sing of his goodness. Sing of his love. This passage was written for you. This love that God has is for you. For the next four weeks, we'll be unpacking John chapter 15, 1 through 17. Then after Labor Day, we'll go through our series on apologetics about defending and commending our faith. We'll talk a lot about what is a Christian worldview. How do we see how God created all things? What perspective should we have about those who do not know Jesus? What perspective should we have about the things that God has made? And how do we as Christians, can we defend our faith and say, our faith is the most, not only the most reasonable, but we believe it is right. Let me tell you why. And to commend it as well, right? To share it with, with, with winsomeness and with joy and say, hey, if this Christ person who I love and worship, who's formed and fashioned me, he wants you to come and see too. And so we'll be diving into that the Sunday after Labor Day and and going through that series all the way, most likely through until Thanksgiving. But today, I want us to look at the beginnings of this passage in John 15, 1, 17. He says in verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. And let's just stop there and see what Jesus is saying. First, he says, I am the true vine. Now we know in the book of John, John has what we call the I am sayings. I am the good shepherd. I am the door. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we know that in the gospel of John, that these sayings are very predominant. And what John is trying to sort of hammer home to us in these I am sayings is that John is trying to show us that Jesus is divine. That Jesus is not simply a prophet, a shaman. 
He's not a, simply a good teacher who, who gives advice to the people, but that he is God. And the reason being is because that phrase, I am the way, the truth, and the life, I am the good shepherd, echoes back to Exodus. In Greek, that those words are ego and me, I, I am. And when we go back and look at the Greek translation of the Hebrew, when, when, when the Lord says to Moses, I am who I am. In other words, that God has no description because God is being, an essence of who he is. He is not created. He has no beginning. He has no end. He simply is who he is. That Jesus is declaring here in John 15, verse 1, I am God. I am that same God who appeared to Moses. I am who I am. And so Jesus here is staking authority to all of us. That the words that he's about to say are not words made up by man, but are words that come from the mouth of God. And so we come humbly before Jesus not first and foremost as our friend or our brother or our savior. But we become before him as God in humble worship to him. Any one of us, if someone asked us, who are you? And you said, I am who I am. You would think, what arrogance? Or there's something wrong with that. But Jesus, being God, it is absolutely appropriate and correct for him to say that. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. He is basically saying that, that in all of the world, in all of creation, that the vine that gives life and produces fruit, that he is the only true vine that exists. He doesn't say, I am the vine, or I am one of the vines, or I am a vine of, for this epic, but for the next epic, there'll be another vine. He says, I am the true vine. I am the only vine. That there is no other vine that gives sustenance, that gives life, that produces fruit. And already here, there's a sign of exclusivity of what Jesus is saying. That the only source of life is Christ himself. Now I want you to, for us to stop and think about that. Jesus is making a declaration to all of us. that there is nothing else in this world that can give and sustain life than him. And that's life any way you want to describe it. If you want to describe the fact that you are alive, guess who is the king of all of creation? Guess who it is in Philippians chapter 2 when, when Jesus said that one, when God says, to, God says, 
one day every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Guess who is sustainer of all creation? It's, it's, it's Christ. Christ is the source and sustainer of all life around you. Guess who's the one who, who knows your heart and knows your desire to have significance, to be a somebody, to be recognized, to be loved. The world around you tries. And by God's providential grace, you feel good when people pat you on the back. But if you're like me, you have that sinful heart in you. There's always that thought going on. Well, but they don't really know me. Well, but they'll understand how I'm just going through the motions. But Christ knows you. Christ knows your heart. He is the source of your life when you come to him. He grants you love. You come, you confess your sins, and salvation is given to you and you're restored. This passage is about us as Christians recognizing once again who our Savior is, where our life is, and where joy is found. But there's a great warning here as well, right? It's not only as Jesus says he's divine, but that his father is the vine dresser. He's, his father is, is the farmer. His father is the one who takes care of the vines. And he says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, what does he do? He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And already we have a warning in verse 2. I dare say, Christian brothers and sisters, in our hearts, in our minds, there should always be a healthy introspection about our life with Jesus. There should always be a healthy introspection of whether we are bearing fruit there should be always a healthy introspection of whether our joy that we see coming out of our lives is really a joy in Christ or a joy in the things that maybe Christ has given to us or the world has given to us. And there will be times, many times, where you'll get down on your knees and you're confused. Does God know me or not? Do I know Jesus or not? And 
And this passage is for us to learn and understand the wrestlings of our heart. As we as Christians try to walk by faith in his will, obeying his laws, loving the people around us. We get to verse 3. And Jesus says something very interesting about those of you, those of us, who, has, who Jesus has made known. He says, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. We have to stop here. And we have to understand that God is the one who has spoken the words to us. And when you have accepted those words of truth by Jesus, not only intellectually, but in your heart, in, in, your, in your affections, in, in, in who you are as a, as a human being, Jesus says you're already clean. Why does he say that? What does that mean? All too often, we as Christians, when we, when we come to God, we, we, we fear God. And we fear that when we sin or when we have, have abrogated his laws or when we've done something absolute ter- absolutely terrible according to our, our, not only our own mind, but according to God's law, we feel like God will never accept us or take us back. And we come to God, and we want, we want sort of absolute absolution again. But not only absolution that's sort of written in heavens, but most of us want that absolution where our, our hearts feel pure again. But Jesus makes a distinction. He says to us, listen, there will be times when your heart will not feel close to me. You'll need cleaning. But in the grand scheme of things, you're already clean. There'll be times when you need pruning. But overall, you're already clean. You're my son, you're my daughter, you're my friend. We just go back to John chapter 13. Remember John chapter 13? Jesus is washing the feet of his disciples. And Peter says, you, you cannot wash my feet. You, you're, you are the king. I'm your disciple. You, you cannot wash the feet of your servant. And Jesus says, listen, if you don't wash my feet, you have no part of me. And Jesus replies, well, and then Peter replies, well, then wash all of me, you know, from head to toe. And Jesus says to him, very similar, you're already clean. You don't have to wash the whole body. You just have to wash your feet. Now what is this word in verse 3 that he's saying that I have spoken to you? Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. There's an assumption here. Number one, that you've actually heard the word 
that Jesus has spoken. And that's a big assumption to make in our world today, is it not? So much miscommunication already. Some of you guys who work in businesses, you understand. Some of you guys who are in managerial positions, you understand. People think they understand what's going on. They don't understand what's really going on. We have to listen carefully on Jesus' terms about what Jesus says is true. We have to listen intently and put ourselves in the background and let Jesus, allow Jesus to tell us what is true. Then it's up to us on his terms, not mine, to determine whether we want to accept it or not. And to be honest, when you're dishonest about it, when you shape his words according to what you want it to, to say, then you really haven't listened to him, have you? It's okay to say no. So that you know why you need to say yes. We're not wishy-washy. God's word is not wishy-washy. The word that he's spoken is true. Believe me, brothers and sisters, do you really want to know why your, your faith is just blah? Do you want to know why you have no joy? Jesus is promising, and we'll get to that, that passage next week, but the, the reason why we don't have any of that is because you're not listening to what he's saying the truth is. God desires us to have it. So what is the word that he has spoken? Okay, Pastor, you've, you've built this up. On the one hand, we could say it's all of scripture. And I will say, go and read scripture. And on the one hand, we could say that Jesus declaring that he is the Lord, he is God, that he's saying that everything that has been spoken by God himself is the truth. You need to listen and submit yourself to it. But on the other hand, we can simply look at the Gospel of John. And we can look at the themes that cross it and what Jesus has to say. And we come down to the simple facts again that you must be born again. that you must recognize your sinfulness and that Christ must come down and give you a new heart.
And that as he gives you that new heart, what is born in you is faith to believe in him, repentance to repent of your sins against him, and a desire to follow him. Do you believe not up here, but do you see it with your being that you sinned against God? Not against one another. Not against yourself. But against God. You know, all of us here, let me look around, yeah, we're all Asian. And growing up in an Asian family, you realize how much, how important it is to honor your parents. And that you don't do anything to sort of sully the family name. And for all of us growing up in this culture, we, we have both sides of us. We have the individualistic side and we have the uh, the, the, the Korean side or the Asian side of us, the corporate side. On the one hand, we believe that every decision that we make has to do with me and me alone. Every consequence is about me and me alone. If I make a mistake, I'll pay the consequence. I'm the one who did the wrong. I'm the one who sinned. I need to pay the consequence. Until one day, you do something wrong, and you see the tears of your parents. And something happens in your brain. It's not so much that you're paying the consequences, that you are the one who simply is part of this, this transaction, but that you've wronged your parents by not living up to the family name. If you watch any Korean drama, right, that the kids go to their parents and just cry and say, sorry, 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 sorry. And if you're from the Western culture, sometimes you look at that going, why are they apologizing to their parents? For us as Christians, we believe and we know that we always sin against God. That our sins are not simply between myself and this other person, or just about me, but it's about the God who made me and loved me. When God is giving you a new heart, he's opened that vista to you. He's allowed you to see God face to face. He's allowed your heart to, to see God and not to see him as an intellectual construct for us to live around, but he's giving you a heart to love him. A person, a God, a personal God who has given himself to you. Do you believe this? If you're like me, your answer should be yes and no. <laughs> right? Like, I believe it. 
But if you ask me, do I live it? Pastor Young, that's a hard question. Let me give you some encouragement. Verse 16, Jesus says this. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. One of the, the most wonderful um, words, themes in all the scripture is the idea that we do not choose God, that we do not earn his favor, but that God has chosen you. When I was growing up, um, after where I would I would come home, and around four o'clock, there were only four, te- five television stations back then. Okay, and ABC would always run these after-school specials, and after-school specials were about like don't do drugs, you know, don't smoke, and and how to be a good person. And there's always there's just one that really sort of um, was kind of kind of endearing, but it sort of hit home, home for me as well because, you know, all through elementary school, I was the runt. I was the smallest. We would have uh, uh, class pictures, and they would always line them up from tallest to smallest. And me and this other girl would always be competing, not competing, but you know, who, is, who, is the, who is the smallest? Uh, if you saw pictures of me in junior high school, the girls would just tower, tower over me, okay? And... Uh, um, I, I had my growth spurt in ninth or 10th grade, but by then I was in all-boys school, so who cared, right? But, uh, um, but I remember, you know, when, I was, when we would play sports or kickball and stuff like that, just because I was the smallest, right? You, you were pick, I was always picked last, okay? Uh, but, but, you know, there's after-school special about the fact that, okay, here are, are these players, and, and there's this runt who always got picked last or whatever, whatever, and, and this one kid decided that he, he, he wouldn't have compassion on him. Instead of picking him last, he picked him first. And you know, like all the kids are like, wow, you know what's going on, what's going on, what's going on? And you know, for, for us as, as people, that, that strikes, a, strikes a nerve for us, and especially if you have parents, right, and you see someone else loving your child, even though you know that they have no business being loved, it touches your heart. The good news of the gospel here, what, what, what Jesus is saying is not so much you have to graft yourself onto the vine, figure out a way to get onto the vine, figure out a way to, to jump from this bad vine to this new vine, because no one can do that. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus has chosen you. And you can come to Jesus now. You can return to Jesus now. You can say no to unrighteousness now. You can confess your sins now. And God can return to you that joy 
now. That's the message that God has for us. Now listen. Those of you who already know Jesus, you're clean. That doesn't mean you won't wrestle with your heart and with your relationship with God. Um, there's, this, there's this famous, there's this author by the name of Paul Tripp, and Paul Tripp uh, has his own counseling uh, ministry. And if you ever read his books and just listen to his stories, um, he'll tell stories of seasons he's had, months, even up to a year. where he really had no affection for God. That's scary. But he knew in, in the deepest recesses of his heart and in his mind that he belonged to Jesus. But there will be times in your life and you've got to be honest about this, brothers and sisters. Don't be honest. Or you would rather sit and watch Netflix for three hours rather than opening God's word. And you have no qualms about doing it. There'll be times in your life where you know you're saying no to God and yes to unrighteousness. And you have no qualms about it. But there's something interesting that happens in the believer, right? Because in the believer, God has given you the power and the knowledge to know that you are sinning against him. And he's given you the power and the knowledge to know that you can't live like this. And there's almost like a timer in your head and your heart that you know that God's going to bring you back. No matter how far I run. That's why this theme here is I am the vine and you are the branches. What is that thing that you're doing by running away? What is that thing that God is doing when he brings you back? What is the sort of wrestling of with, with, with what with just outright sinning and then God bringing you back and you repenting and you tears come and, and, and walking? What, what is that called? It's, it's called pruning. It's the pruning that he's talking about. God is pruning you. He's pruning all of us. Return to him quickly. And allow him to restore that joy in you. You will try to find other vines to give you sustenance. And for a while, like sugar, it'll help you. But we all know a diet of sugar gets you nowhere. 
Jesus is our life. Now, theologically, what we see here is we, we see the distinction between justification and sanctification. Right? Justification is the, it's a one-time act by God. It's him choosing you. It's you winning the lottery. It's you being chosen for the kickball team. Once he's chosen you, you are his. And he chooses you with the sins and the failings that you have. You're his. And we can rejoice in that. Even in our angst, we rejoice in that. Even when we're not doing well, we come on Sundays to worship him and say, God, I'm not doing well, but you're doing well, and I trust in you, and so I come to worship you. Sanctification is the pruning that he does to change your hearts more and more to see his beauty and be captivated by his beauty. Brothers and sisters, God wants you to have joy, joy in its fullness. The only way to have joy and joy in his fullness is by seeing how beautiful he is. Joy and beauty go hand in hand. Look upon the cross. Look upon Jesus. Be in awe. And let your joy be full. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy and all the good things that you have done for us, your people. Lord, we confess to you that we like to bend the truth about what it is to be your subjects, to be your children, to be your, your people. We like to bend truth according to what we want to see it to be. And often we simply produce counterfeit fruits. We think we're happy, we think we're joyful, but we're, we're really not. But Lord, for those of you, for those of us who, have, who know you, we know that those, that joy will never last. Father, I pray that you be with this church. For I know how easy it is, Lord, not... How hard it is for individuals to believe that, but how easy it is, Lord, for people who have that same false notion to gather together and to live a faith of joylessness together, making excuses together. Forgive us. Teach us to call one another out in love. Teach us, Lord, to abide in you and to allow the truth of who Jesus is and what he has done to live in us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.